If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 400 of the Severe MMA podcast. Who would have thunk us we got here? Not me, certainly, but my name is Sean Sheehan, anyway. Uh, joined today by the Gary Neville in the Premier League of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as uh, we talk about a week in MMA where absolutely nothing happened. So we're going to answer some of your questions. We're going to um, look back on uh, maybe a bit of severe MMA for the last 400 episodes and have a bit of a chat here. We have a few questions in. A few people have asked about, you know, how it got together. I know we've done this a few times before, but I think it's always kind of cool to do it and uh, good to have a chat, especially in a week. You know, we hit, the, we hit a milestone of 400. I think there's very few MMA podcasts that have probably hit 400 and they're shite anyway, even if, they're, if they have, because we're the, we're the best. Number one. Anyway, before we get into all of that chit-chat, uh, let me tell you that roses are red, violets are blue, and our friends at Manscaped have a gift for you. Manscaped, we well, you know them as the, the below-the-waist groomers, but they now are selling beard products as well. Our friends uh, over in the US and Canada, and they're going to be coming everywhere. You can check out manscaped.com right now and see all the products that Manscaped have. They're absolutely fantastic. They're uh They've revolutionized grooming and they're doing it once more now with the new Beard Hedge Pro Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. It's a cordless trimmer that has a rotary wheel uh, with 20 hair cutting lengths all in one guard. So no more messy drawers full of add-ons. With this kit, it's never been easier to sculpt uh, your precise look at any lint. So make sure you're looking extra lovely this Valentine's Day by using the Beard Hedger. And even better, save 20% off. And get free shipping when you go to manscaped.com and you use our code SEVERE uh, MMA. That Beard Hedger Pro Kit is the ultimate toolkit to get the perfect look at this Valentine's Day. 7 million men worldwide already trust Manscaped with their balls. It's time to trust the hair up top as well. Um, you can absolutely revolutionize, as I said, your grooming routine with this. Take it to the next level. The Beard Hedger is the first thing you need to know about. The electric uh, beard uh, hair trimmers, premium beard sculpting machine, um, along with having uh, only one guard, uh, leaving little mess. It's also waterproof. You can shave in the shower to avoid all the hair in the sink or bathroom floor. Plus, the titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency manscaped and valentine's day are the perfect pair and a new beard hedger pro kit doesn't end there they have created uh, four dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim hygiene uh the beard shampoo and conditioner the beard oil uh and the beard balm as well absolutely fantastic all of that stuff 
stuff. Uh, you do not need to remember that your hair, uh, you do need to remember even, your hair and your head is different to your hair and the beard. It's more coarse, um, easier to damage than the, the hair on your head. So you need all of this stuff. You need Manscaped's beard oil. No one wants to a guy whose beard is brittle and, and dry like my own at the moment. I need someone at myself. The oil uh, uh, relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and a shine. And cap it all off, as I mentioned, with the beard, bam, a pomade, the chips, styles, moisturizers, and tames for the sculpted look. And with that, you get three free gifts. Also, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure all the tools are there for the perfect beard. From first impressions, the last you're going to love it and everyone who sees your improved facial hair game will love it too no one likes a weird beard so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble and tame your mane this valentine's so get 20% off and free shipping the code severe at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com use the code severe mma spice up valentine's day this year with manscaped beard hedger one stroke one guard 20 links grim Let's do it. Let's have a, a little bit of a little bit of a chat here. Any news with yourself? Anyway, how's how's things? How are you? How are you getting on? You getting back into the swing of things? Recording the podcast again, talking about MMA. You got yeah, all good, all good. We have another break from the UFC after you know a uh, uh, short return. Obviously, um, that pay per view card was was very good, but uh, you know we kind of. Uh, you think the UFC would have put on another card this weekend, but we we have another week break. But I, I know there's a lot of other MMA on uh, during the week as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised with the scheduling. But uh, yeah, I suppose uh, we we had a little hiatus from our break, and we're back on the break. It seems it's. You know what? It's. I I think it's good though because it's kind of you know we, we kind of slowed our way into the new year and i'm kind of happy with that as well maybe you know we, we got a break where we all ready to get back into it 100 we will be fairly soon but you know it's basically february now we're not back into it 100 so do you know what we have 11 months of that to go so i think that's a good thing so there's uh you know there's no problem there plus we have the big uh obviously the bellator ireland card coming up which we'll be very busy for obviously and a lot of irish cards this week so or this year even so i'm looking forward to to, uh, to all of that um, Before we started the podcast I threw it out today And apologies if we're recording this Recording on, on Friday night So if you didn't get your questions in uh, I'll keep them for the, the Q&A next week So we're going to kind of Answer some of your questions That you sent in today We're going to look ahead Maybe to the, the next week's cards If we get uh, a look at them And just have a, a general bit of a, a Chit chat here about MMA uh, And other things as well In place of the Q&A this week Myself and Ian are actually Jumping on Patreon uh, We recorded a podcast there The other night It's good fun just talking about You know covering MMA And, and uh, you know how we feel About a few things in MMA And stuff which myself and Graham Might get into here as well uh, Let's start off So first question from uh, our guy Christopher Graham And uh, do you know what I'm going to hit the If, if you don't normally listen to the Q&A, you probably won't get that. But Christopher Graham is our top-tier question asker, so he gets his own intro, as does Christopher Murphy, as does R. Mac. Those are my three guys. I have a few other guys as well. Sean Dini might be getting one. A few other guys might be getting them, but those are number ones. First question. Can you talk about how Severe Mess started and how it morphed into the podcast empire it is today? Graham, how, how did Severe Mess start? Um, yeah, I've talked about this before, I think, but um, basically I was, uh, you know, a big, big MMA fan, big UFC fan, big WEC fan, downloading all fights, watching Pride, like basically just any fights I could find. And uh, obviously uh, I was I was searching kind of 
you know, high and wide, uh, trying to find uh, information on Irish MMA. And I, I, I had met Carl Pendred before. I knew him a little bit through, um, you know, uh, through school, not, not through school, but I've heard, I'd heard of him through playing rugby and I'd met him in, in San Diego and things like that. So I knew about a little bit, a little bit about him. And a couple of my mates had said, oh, he was doing MMA and stuff. And I was like, I, I was kind of the only guy back then that was actually into MMA. So if somebody was doing MMA, I would, I would get all the, you know, my friends would come to me to tell me because I was like this, the crazy MMA guy. And um, I basically uh, got a couple of my friends interested and we, we started watching and we went to an event. Um, like, I wish I could remember properly, but I think it was the, the Chris Fields, Johnny Redmond fight, but I can't remember. It was one of those cage, early cage contenders anyway. And um, I, f- I think I found out about it on boards.ie or something, or maybe I think Cage Contender were one of the only promotions who actually had a website, but uh, it was sparsely updated. But anyway, I found out about the event and went to it. And uh, afterwards, I was like, oh, you know, the level here is, isn't bad at all. And tried to find out information about more shows, and there wasn't really anything. There was a, there was a boards, uh, dot, boards.ie, like, um, kind of sub forum where people would talk about Irish MMA, but it was obviously a very small community and, you know, uh, it was, it was just basically hard to get information. There was fighthounds.com or .ie, I can't remember, I think it was .com. They used to go to the odd show and put up stuff like that. So there basically just was no, there was no real information or no easy way to get information about Irish MMA. And, uh, I started finding out more about these guys as much as you can. And I, I was like, you know, I'd had some experience making websites before and things like that. And I was always decent on computers when I was younger. So I was just like, fuck it, I'll set this up and see how it goes. And just started, just started doing it. And, uh, yeah, I just basically reached out to people and, you know, uh, in MMA, a lot of, it's, it's probably a lot easier, especially back then to get people to reply to you who are at a high level in the game compared to other sports. It probably still is now. Like, you know, you can get like a UFC title contender on your podcast, even if your podcast has like, you know, two episodes or whatever. So uh, they're, they were, they were open to kind of, you know, doing interviews and things like that. And, uh, agreed to go down and do a video with Carl Pendred and I was going to get a loan of my um, my friend Corey's camera to go do it. But I was out a couple of nights before I was due to go down to SPG to film Carl and uh, a couple of guys I went to school with were there and uh, I was chatting to them about it and trying to convince them to come down. They, they were working on films, Gav Fitzgerald and uh, Patrick Timmons Ward and uh, convinced them to come down with me and bring their gear and kind of, you know, make the video about Carl Pendred and that was, that was, that was, that's pushing it on a little bit. We'd obviously done some uh, really unprofessional <laughs> uh, interviews before that, some pretty disastrous ones, but uh, we were learning on the job. But once Paddy and Gav came in, the kind of video side of it took, took obviously uh, way more professionalism on, uh, uh, took, looked look more professional and kind of taught me kind of, you know, the, the basics of, of, of how to, be a, I don't know, a, a content or video content creator. But uh, yeah, um, really it was kind of, you know, obviously a bit of luck there running into them and convincing them. And uh, like, they, I think Gav thought it was like pro wrestling and was like, oh, this can't be real. And like that was like, obviously it's kind of hard to believe now when MMA is so big, but people hadn't really heard of MMA or they'd heard of it as like, oh, cage fighting or human cock fighting or, or something barbaric, but uh, obviously it's moved on a lot now. But uh, the podcast side of things, uh, obviously Andrew McGahan was involved. I think I told him he should start doing some kind of podcast. I think uh, I started to listen to 
a lot of podcasts. I don't think there were very many MMA podcasts, but just different podcasts back when podcasts are kind of starting out and like the Joe Rogan experience and stuff like that. I used to I used to watch live and things like that. And uh, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, it was kind of easy to get on to people or easier, easier than other sports to get on to people and, you know, get them as guests on a podcast or a video or whatever. So I think Andrew did sporadically he did only a few a handful of uh i think it was called the mma hangout or the severe mma hangout um and that would kind of you know wasn't consistent until you came on board and kind of took the reins and kind of that's how the the podcast side of things really got going the, the mma hangout was kind of you know kind of half half our idea that wasn't really uh put into action properly yeah i think you know, Andrew did it once every so often and I came in and I was like, I'm doing a podcast and I'm doing it every single week. It's going to be coming out at this time every single week. Like you can either come on and do it with me or you can keep doing the hangout once every month and I get someone else or I'll do it myself or whatever. And he was like, yeah, and he did it. And that, that's kind of where it started from. And, you know, I suppose how did it build into the podcast empire? It was just basically we're on number four hundred. We just kept doing it. Em- kept empire is a bit, a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a reach. Well, do you know what? It's fucking. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Is it a bit of a reach? Like how many other podcasts have not only gone that far, but have like actually like probably made a bit of money out of them, and you know they're. Uh, like they keep growing and there's people actually wanting to listen to it and all like that's that's a tough thing to actually do if you if you uh if you think about it. i saw i saw a thing before that if you get over 25 listens on a podcast that you upload right you're in like the top five percentile of all podcasts ever <laughs> something like that yeah yeah it's something like that and now we obviously get a little bit more than 25 we want to put it that way but yeah i'm proud of what we have kind of built in terms of the podcast and you built the the, the website along with andrew i suppose on, on on the way up and uh it's uh it's been fantastic it was funny though when you were talking about starting it off i was talking to a fighter there recently and they were telling me about like you know people reaching out to him these days to for interviews and stuff and there's loads and they were like saying oh, i kind of did one i did two i did three i did five and then i'm like jesus christ i like uh, i'm gonna have to cut this back <laughs> a little bit now whereas when you kind of started doing it i suppose if anyone reached out to you i was like oh jesus christ there's someone reaching out to me who's probably the only interview any fighter would do that year whereas now they might get fucking you know five and in a week or something like that from every tom dick and harry makes it but <clears throat> better for the fighters i suppose to get a lot of people asking them but also easier for them to like get sick of it and turn people down and maybe harder for the people trying to start their own shit these days to actually get people on after a certain um point in their careers you know so i think it's it's a very different landscape massively different landscape like when myself and andrew started talking about irish i mean i i, I listened to the um the comment event podcast and I was like, we could be the Irish version of that. That's kind of what I had in my head. I didn't want guests, and we've never had a guest, I don't think, in 400 episodes. We've obviously done, you know, guest appearances and specials and stuff like that, but I don't think there's ever been a, a fighter uh, ever on it. Uh, Ian O'Neill is probably the only one who is a professional record, I'd say, who's, <laughs> who's been on the Superman podcast. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, and, and then, you know, I'm kind of pr- proud of doing that as well, doing it that way. But that was different. There was no one doing that at the time. There was, you know... Uh, I, maybe, there, maybe there was, like, one podcast out at the time. And, like... Uh, it's funny as well, like, the longevity, the 400 episodes and stuff. I was talking to someone recently, and they were thinking... They were saying to me, like, 
remember, say, a Bamator card or a, a card, you know, one of the Cage Warriors cards when Pindred was on or something, and you think of, like, the people there, not people covering it and people around the scene at that time, and how many of them are actually still there today. And it's funny, it's very few, like, there's there's almost no one. Like, you think about it, Graham, when you started, even for the first four or five years, like, the few people that were there and are still doing it are probably yourself. I came on a couple of years later, like, Andrew doesn't really do it anymore. Some of the other lads are still around. They kind of turn up and they, they sit around maybe and, and become as a fan or they sit in press row and they're not covering it really as much as, as they used to and stuff. And the likes of, you know, Fergus O'Farrell used to do a good job with Fight Hounds and other places and I don't think he's doing it anymore. And and uh, Ferguson, the podcast with Steve as well over in Satanta, they were doing it and they're kind of gone as well. It's, uh, it's changed massively I think uh, in the years that we've been doing and I'm look I'm proud that we're still there and it's unfortunate that all them lads aren't still there as well I suppose but you know it's uh, it's been a fun ride let's get into a couple more questions because we spend all day um, can you give a potted history of how each member of the current team became involved in Severe uh, uh, well we know you know about Graham anyway for me I basically did a couple of articles then Graham kept ringing me non-stop for a year until I finally wilted and <laughs> came over to Samira was that would that be a fair assessment Graham I think yeah yeah something like that yeah <laughs> basically uh you were kind of uh, unsure about doing it and I just kept hounding you until you until you did that's that's really been my MMA story throughout the whole thing. I was like, do you know what? I don't really want to do this, and then people kind of hound me into doing it, and I I end up doing it. But uh, yeah, I, I did a couple of articles over on the HOV MMA. It used to be called. I did one about Neil Siri, and I did one about Daniel Carmier. I, I was doing it for a couple of years, and then I came in and I was doing like um, the. Uh, do you remember we were doing a picks like Sheehan versus it was called, and I had Brian Moore on. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Carl Pinder, I think, on, and I did a few. I, I, I had a good few different names on, I think. So yeah, that was that was interesting. And then obviously history from there. From from the other lads, I don't, a lot a lot of lads just kind of said here, like I'd love to work for Severe May, any chance kind of job. That's that's how Ian kind of got into. I remember Ian telling me recently actually that he sent me like emails and I was replying and I was very blunt, like don't get into MMA. You <laughs> could go in do a hundred articles and come back to me or something like that, which was kind of. I remember before I used to get emails like weekly asking how do I become a media member how do I write for Severe Man I I don't really get them much anymore if I'm being honest but I think that's how Ian and Andy both kind of came over for Queer Shed In like we were kind of talking about getting more into Irish MMA and he was doing good stuff and I think uh, was it Ian maybe approached him we approached him anyway and to, you know to, to do a bit with us um Tia came on and did this kind of same thing with a Sean Denny. Sean Denny just kind of like stayed around and eventually kind of morphed his way into it. And he's doing a great job now with uh, with all the stuff there. And then Spencer obviously has been with us doing loads of the uh, the preview shows and stuff. And I kind of said it to him. I think we were all thinking it with Spencer. Like, just come on over. Just, just. He just kind of naturally started <laughs> yeah. appearing in more yeah. content. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So... And, uh, you know, we've Patrick that takes the photos and we have Andrew McGann that's done a bit, Harry, the two Harrys, Harry Powell, who does a great job on all the podcasts and has been, you know, that interview we did with Sam Creasy, if people haven't seen that, like, so Harry came over because I he invited me on his podcast and he was like, can you do two hours? And I didn't know him at the time. And I was like, 
absolutely fucking not. I was like, I have 50 minutes. I have a hard out. And I got about 20 minutes into the podcast and I was like, oh, fuck. I wish I'd said, yeah, I do have two hours because I knew immediately that like, okay, this is a guy who is like trying to do it in the right way and trying to be, you know, smart about things, but not you know not prickish or anything and, and i really really like that and then from the second i did that podcast and i was like i need to get this guy involved with severe men it happened not maybe six months or a year or whatever uh, afterwards so yeah it's i'm probably who am i missing i'm probably i'm surely missing out someone there graham is there anyone i forget uh jake does a little bit of work for us jake, obviously yeah. uh fight talk uh uk mma guy helps out a little bit uh it's a great else? job with the graphics it's a great job yeah, very, good. very good at the graphics yeah and, and andy and uh ian and and uh, harry do a great job at the graphics and stuff as well and the lads running the instagram as well uh, andy and ian especially are doing an absolutely fantastic job there so yeah we have a solid team going. Like I, I said it before, Graham. I think the team we have now is the best team Severa May has ever had. Really, I think everyone's pulling in a very good direction. I think there's a lot of talent there, and a lot of lads working really hard. Like when have we had as many breaking news stories? When have we had we have have we had as many interviews and all of that? And the one thing I love, like we have an interview with Keith Kyo, who is an amateur fighter who's doing great things, and an interview with Conor McGregor the most famous fighter in the history of the sport, all in the same place. That's what I love about Severe Man. When you started off, was that kind of the thing you wanted too? You wanted the, the, the starting pros, the amateurs, as well as like the best fighters in the world on the platform. Well, when I started, there probably wasn't even that many. I think SBG had like eight pro fighters or something, and Team Rhino might have had like three or four. You know, it was, it was, it was like, it, you know, nowadays... The gyms are full. These were like half empty, small room gyms uh, a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, it wasn't really, there wasn't really any like, you know, generations of, of fighters coming through. It's just the odd fighter here, the odd fighter there. But it's changed so much now. I think it was more just, you know, uh, these guys are good and let me kind of give them a, a platform and give people who are fans of MMA a chance to kind of, you know, find out information here and, you know, uh, obviously, I'm very into MMA and like to kind of, you know, ask them some questions myself and, you know, find out some answers for myself. And I might as well, might as well uh, record it and, you know, uh, give it a go and see how it goes. And people seem to like it and, the, you know, the fighters seem to appreciate it. And it just kind of went from there. It just kind of, you know, uh, passion more than anything. Yeah, it, it's... That's all you need, though, isn't it? Especially, like, in this game, and especially if you're going to make a conceded effort to cover everyone and, and, you know, want to cover someone who's starting off their career as well as we cover the big boys, I suppose. And I, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that, and I'm proud that the team we have um, are doing that as well, so it's very, very good. Uh, what's the biggest bold prediction for any year that has come true? Um, I don't know. Have you, have you got any right? I can't even remember. <laughs> Jamal Hill was <laughs> so close. I got one on Amazon was pretty good last year. I said someone would sign with Amazon. That was ah, that's not, yeah. that was a pretty well, good that's one. Boring. I'm sure we'll have to go. We'll have to go. We'll enter that next week. We we'll go back and look. Uh, we we'll go back and look through them. Uh, we want for Stuart Burns here in 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 the middle is a, is a different sort of one. Should intelligent defense be the only criteria for stoppages, and should officials have a broader description to stop fights where one fighter is clearly a hopelessly outclassed, like the example of Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade? This is an interesting question, isn't it? Because there is that like gray area in refereeing, I suppose, where. 
it's not the time for the referee to stop it. It's the time for the corner to throw in the towel, but the corner never throws in the towel. But because of the intelligent defense thing. So I think it's interesting. Do you think, like, referees should have the license to, like, right, this is reached a point where I need to stop it and they just stop it there? I think they already do. They definitely do already have the license. And sometimes we see if, uh, you know, the the license used. <sighs> yeah. You just gotta, you just gotta go on common sense and you know training and experience uh, for these for these referees and you know um, sometimes it's, it's like obviously at the top level and these guys have done a lot. You'd expect them to you know get it right ninety nine percent of the time and some some referees do and some don't and some go through bad patches or some some used to, referees used to be good and now are bad or some referees are just bad but. I think that's the same in any sport. Obviously, in MMA, it's a uh, you know taking brain damage and stuff like that is obviously uh, a higher risk than in in most sports. But I don't think the the referees are particularly bad in in MMA compared to other sports. You know, if you went through decisions of of NFL, NBA, Premier League, Champions League referees, like I, I don't think I don't think they're anywhere near perfect or even you know. Most of them aren't even competent. So uh, I think in the UFC and the top promotions at the top level, I think the referees are pretty good and they do a pretty good job. And they do use that license. They do use just a bit of common sense sometimes when, you know, maybe somebody is still technically moving when you're saying to move or, you know, quote, intelligently defending themselves uh, and just enough. But they're taking a bit of a beating or they have no route to victory and uh, the fight gets stopped or they're getting out class and the ref just stops the fight. But I think the corner comes into it more when the ref isn't stopping a fight that should be stopped. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what know. the question is about. And I, I, I agree with everything you said there. And like, I think for the referees to have that license to use a bit more common sense and like work outside of the written rules maybe for that sort of thing, I think that would be good. And, you know, I think they do it a bit. I think they do, and they don't get criticized when they do. I think people understand nearly all the time when they do stop a fight, they're just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, there was no coming back from that. It was a matter of time kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, We're recording this, Graham, just as Dana White is doing a special announcement. Uh, The special announcement is that Ian Gary will be on the John Jones versus Sil Gagne card, but also that on April 8th, Alex Pereira will be fighting Israel Adesanya for the second time, and the co-main event uh, of that card will be Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. So that's a pretty good card, isn't it? Looking forward to seeing the, um, the two of them. What, what about the special announcement? Yeah. <laughs> that's why, uh, the lads are sending me the messages here in the group, and they're they're giving out about that. But yeah, I I, I like uh, the fact that Burns is absolutely absolutely going to destroy Masvidal, and he'll be, you know, probably gone away for another year. So that's good. Uh, this, you know, it's what? smart by the UFC, though. You know, and Dana obviously there's a lot of talk about McGregor potentially having a fight booked or doing the Ultimate Fighter, and. He's like, oh, special announcement, tune in. Like, he definitely knows exactly what he's doing 100%. There. <laughs> 100%. What, you didn't get that idea? There was actually a question here from Christopher as well. What, thoughts on Connor versus Tony possibly coaching off? I love the idea anyway. What do you think? Yeah, well, like, we, we talked about it before, uh, saying it would be ideal if he came back against somebody like Tony, but we, we were probably leaning towards thinking that he wouldn't uh, just because Tony's coming off a loss and things like that, and... Uh, but like, yeah, if they do tough, two big personalities, you know, Tony is not gonna, you know, back down. Connor's not gonna back down. It'd be a pretty good, pretty good dynamic, I think. There, but 
yeah, like when I first heard or saw Connor's tweet or Instagram or whatever it was about it, I thought I was surprised, but I suppose it kind of it kind of does make sense uh, in a way. Uh, give him time and kind of you know uh, build up the the return and you know obviously for ESPN and UFC it'd be huge. You know the Ultimate Fighter. I haven't watched that in in a, in a long time. I don't know what the last season the last number season was that I watched but years and years it just became so formulaic and just you know sometimes I'd watch the first episode and then just uh, just I just can't can't get into it but I'd say you know the viewership numbers will be huge uh, compared to what they were the, the last few seasons if they could get the Tony yeah. Connor I even if they could get you know I saw people talking about Masvidal and Connor that would be hmm. very good um, TV as well yeah, well, obviously Masvidal fighting Burns now, so it could be Tony. Maybe that's the reason why this popped up like that. I think it'd be very good, right, because you want McGregor in a fight like the Tony Ferguson fight. And that's the fight I've called for for a long time uh, and have stayed by that, wanting that fight for a long time. And this actually, like, gives you a way to have that fight without saying, oh, you're giving McGregor someone, you know, who's at the end of their career and has lost all their last five fights or whatever it is. Um because we'll have forgotten about that by the time they fight because people will actually watch tough and will watch the rivalry and you know it'll be funny because tony's a w- absolute weirdo and mcgregor will like call him a weirdo and stuff and it'll be there'll be moments from it'll be funny it might you know it might be the uh the most I'll definitely be able to make a highlight, highlight reel of the season <laughs> definitely yeah. so, anyway. and it makes for a perfect fight for mcgregor and he's come back as well it's re- if they do it it's really smart is it going to happen? I don't know. I know. Connor says he's up for it. Like uh, he feels like the one that wouldn't be up for it. If anyone wouldn't be yeah, up for it, the fact it, that if he he's is, up for it, I'm sure Dana White and Pilgrim Studios and yeah. <laughs> ESPN and you know everybody involved with the UFC would would want to get it done. So yeah, I don't know how much money um, he'd be asking or <laughs> stuff like that. Maybe that'll be the stumbling point. But yeah. yeah. Uh, all signs point to uh, more likely than not happening, in my opinion, at the moment. But as long as Connor can stay off that bicycle, uh, <laughs> in, in yeah, well, he was off that bicycle earlier. When it looks at things, was, anyway, yeah, like Jesus. fucking hell, poor lad, poor lad. Um, what's the hardest thing about working in MMA media? Christopher says, Graham, for you, like you've all, you've been in the background for most of your time, I suppose, uh, do, doing your thing, and obviously you came on the podcast and did as well. What's I never the, wanted, to, I never wanted to be on the podcast. I never <laughs> wanted to be known. I wanted to be just fucking invisible. But uh, McGahan went off uh, to the Mac Life, and you kind of hounded me into doing the podcast which I suppose like I had hounded you into <laughs> coming to severe MMA so you kind of got me back in that way <laughs> what, what, is there anything you find hard about it though like I, I, I've i said in the last while like I've struggled just with like there's just a never ends kind of and I, I feel like the last six weeks have actually been great because it kind of did in there for a while you know there was mm. there was no MMA for a bit I, but I don't know if this is in my head or it's just like you know um looking for a justification or a reason but i think sometimes maybe i'm not sure if this is it but maybe having to do the podcast the next day makes me kind of watch the fights in a different way a less kind of uh enjoyable way or something because i'm trying to concentrate on maybe 
things that I wouldn't if I was just watching it and didn't have to talk about it the next day. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I feel exactly same way, especially since I started talking more about judging as well. That's really changed yeah, how I watch I'm like, sometimes I know you're going to ask me what, how I scored it, so I'm like, geez, I'll make sure I fucking... Better start watching this. You know, zone in on this. It's, okay. like, it's less relaxed. Or yeah, I'd say the same. That's actually a big part of it. Like, I think the hardest thing in an overall sense is like, going from a person who like really enjoyed MMA as a fan to not being able to enjoy it in that way I still enjoy it and I really enjoy doing the podcast and chatting with you or Ian or Harry or whoever it might be uh, but like to kind of not be able to sit back and enjoy it and you know live or die by a result and I never really was that sort of fan anyway to be honest I always kind of came into it for the love of the sport rather than the love of a fighter and you know some people probably came in for Brock Lesnar or for Ronda or for Connor or for maybe Ian Gary you know or whoever it might be I, I never that wasn't me so I, I I do still miss it a little bit and miss not having that uh, but yeah I enjoy it in other think, ways like, I'm not sure with myself if I'm just kind of trying to like find reasons or if it's just the fact that I've been watching for so long that it, it, you start watching it differently anyway or I you, think so yeah. yeah I'm not sure but I think also like making picks before fights changes how you it doesn't. It doesn't like, for me, you know. It and I, mean, I do the betting picks as well every week, and it doesn't for me. But I think for a lot of people, it does. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, like I probably prefer not to make picks, but obviously, like uh, you guys want me to do or whatever, so I do. But for the enjoyment of it, I probably would prefer not to and just you know watch it without any. I suppose I don't. I don't really care if like uh, if I get the picks wrong or whatever. But I don't know. It just kind of comes into my head oh yeah i picked this guy by whatever fourth round or whatever so i'm kind of you know okay let's get this one in the fourth round even though i actually i don't know why i do that because i don't actually really care um I, if my I, picks are wrong i'll tell you how much i don't care i tweeted that paul craig would get knocked out by johnny walker with north's outstanding hammer fist right and he he basically did not not necessarily exactly how i was thinking but he basically did and i actually forgot i tweeted that 20 minutes 20 minutes beforehand until people started replying holy shit i can't believe you picked did this and i was like oh yeah what did i talk about and then i looked at it i was like oh yeah so i i forget my like often I've given a different pick on fucking Sherdog than I have on Spirit. <laughs> That's how seriously I take my picks. But when you're betting, it's a little bit different as well. But yeah, no, I, I like. I've been doing picks for so long as well. I think it's just water off a duck's back. Like if someone says my picks are shit, like yeah, they they probably are. Like I don't, I don't really care. I I love watching the fights, and you know we we have to have the fight to find out. So I can give you my pick if you want, but sure, like what, what's it actually worth at the end of the day? But yeah, that's not that that's never really been a big issue for me. Like. Um, I think the hardest thing, like, do you know what as well with MMA? It's very, it's twenty four seven. That's probably the very hardest thing about working in it as well. You kind of have to stay on top of it, and it's harder and harder to do all the time. But anyway, the next question is, what's the best thing about working in MMA media? Like, I, I think there's lots of great things to be honest. Like, I just love my favorite thing is honestly doing podcasts now, just sitting down here chatting with you, chatting with Harry, chatting with Ian whoever I might be chatting with, like I interviewed Will Flurry there last week and, you know, hopefully be going up and, and covering the, you know, the, the, the Bellator event coming up. Like those, those events as well, they're a fucking pain in the hole to get to Dublin and to pay for hotels and, you know, 
rush everything in terms of the the work I have to do before I get there. But when I get there, it's fucking great. Like turning up for the, the Wayans and just like sitting down and having a chat with, you know, Jude Samuel or having a chat with, you know, one of the fighters that are there or, you know, Mike Mazzulli or, and, you know, going on fight night and meeting yourself and talking to, you know, being Cartledge or talking to, to, to Quilshire or talking to whoever it might be for five minutes or ten minutes. It's, I, I love that. There's a bit of a camaraderie in it as well. There's, you know, you meet someone from MMA and, you know, you're kind of like, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's one of us, you know, and I, I've always enjoyed that, but yeah. I, I love working yeah. in MMA. I, I definitely agree that the events are the probably the best part of it. Like, there are big Irish MMA events in Ireland. And when, like, a, you know, obviously when Connor was, you know, making his way through the UFC or that Dave Hill or Bushinger or, you know, Ian Gary making his UFC debut or Reese making the UFC debut or Siri in the UFC or Paddy Hoolan's, um, you know, UFC Dublin. The t- moments like that and events like that are, are probably the best part of Irish MMA media and being so close to it and you know obviously uh, over the years like you know being in the locker rooms and stuff like that before big fights and seeing how fighters are when the cameras are off and when they're kind of you know in the moments before a fight and stuff like that is always very interesting as well so that's probably something that I'm, I'm very lucky to to have been able to do but yeah I think the whole event experience is, is definitely the best part of it. Do you know what I find very interesting as well and I've been wanting to say this to you, and I, I said it on another podcast uh, that'll probably be out next week, but I don't know if you saw last week, Josh Hampson tweeted something about uh, fighters should do interviews with <laughs> other fighters and something. Up. But he made he made this point, fighters should do interviews with other fighters because, you know, they know what they're going through and they'll get better things out of them and stuff. And it's interesting, I saw I saw a few media members get mad over it, and I was talking to Ian about it as well, and he wasn't too happy with it. And I was kind of thinking, like, Josh, Josh Hampson is right in the American scene, I think. But we're so lucky in Ireland that when we interview fighters, they we know them and they know us. Like, Will Flory doesn't interview with me. He knows I'm not going to fuck him over and ask him, like, something stupid or get some clickbait thing, uh, you know, try to get some clickbait thing out of him. You know, I asked him about Jake Paul in that interview because he had mentioned Jake Paul and we kind of laughed it off and said it was bullshit. And, like... I think that, the, but the fact like that, I've probably met Will Furry 10 times in my life and I've chatted to him a few times or, you know, you do an interview with, say, a Franz Malambo or even, like, even Connor, who I, I've only spoken to, like, three times in my life, but he knows you, you know, for years and you've been doing the podcast with me and he knows I'm on Severe Man. When you talk, it's normal. These people know you. They know each other. There's a certain level of, of respect that myself for you or, you know, uh, uh, have earned over the years, but that the likes of Ian and Andy and Harry and others are earning now as well that makes it a lot different I think than now obviously you know the likes of Luke Thomas and the likes of Ariel and other people have it with all or most fighters but I think the American fighters don't have that kind of close-knit community and re- even even if it's not a respect per se in, in terms of I respect your work and all that they know who you are and they know that you know what you're fucking talking about and you're not just some lad with a fucking Instagram yeah. page it's definitely it's a level of comfortable um, you yeah. know being comfortable with somebody sometimes you do see it with American fighters if like a guy's interviewing somebody and he's you know it, the, the gym that the guy's from is like near where he lives or he's been down there a few times you can see that they kind of have a rapport yeah. and that there's more kind of laid back and more open and that, that's just a natural thing and when you've been like we've been around for years with the scene kind of in Ireland has grown and exploded and the ups and the downs and you know uh, we've, we've kind of been on the journey with these guys in, in a lot of ways like and we was doing the 10 year the Patreon series there last year or whatever it was 
Um, a lot of guys said that that it feels like you know the journey of Irish MMA is is everything's connected. Like everybody, it's such a small scene, it's such a small island, you know, especially at the start that you know uh everybody's close you know everybody you know even the gyms they might have some rivalries and stuff but if something happens or somebody you know needs something they'll all come together and it's it's a, it's a close-knit scene in a lot of ways even though obviously there's a lot of you know shit talking and you know normal stuff going on stuff like that and rivalries and all that stuff that that's that's good and that's healthy and that's normal but yeah i think I think in terms of what Josh Thompson was saying in fighters interviewing fighters, yeah, absolutely. But there isn't that many fighters doing, you know, podcasts really. Like it's definitely grown in the last few years, but fighters who are getting fighters on doing interview type, type podcasts, there isn't that many. Obviously, Chael, you know, is one of the popular ones. He's kind of just, you know, <laughs> giving hot takes uh, by himself most of the time. And, you know, there isn't really enough enough opportunities if you're just if you're just doing interviews with um if you're just being interviewed by fighters and ignoring media i think maybe some people took it the wrong way from josh thompson because he's kind of had a go at um, a nonsensical go at (laughs) mma media before on twitter so maybe if if he hadn't said that people would have taken it a bit more uh kind of level-headedly Indeed. Uh, question from Aiden: What's more certain, Limerick winning the Liam McCarthy or McGregor winning his comeback match? Uh, are Limerick still good? Are they? I don't good, know. Yeah, we've won four of the last five All Irelands. So is your man yeah. the, the 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 Irish Sheik? Is he still there? Is he? <laughs> Uh, Grant, don't be one of those people. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an amateur sport. I know nothing about it. I just remember you being mad about it, defending <laughs> it in the group, but I know nothing about it. No, we're the best, yeah. We, well, Dublin are the ones who get all the money. We want to break it down like that, but we won't. We won't go into that, but yeah, look, it's it's great, Limerick. The four in a row is coming this year, and hopefully the five in a row the year after. What did um, Dublin do in, in the GAA? Was it five in a row or six in a row? They won like nine out of ten, didn't they, or something? Or ten oh, out of eleven? Or in a row, was it five? Or, or, oh, they did more, I think seven six. i think seven. oh was it i, I uh, don't think it was that many was it i don't know i have no idea Sorry. it was at least six anyway yeah i think i think it was seven i think it was seven but i can't remember um i wouldn't like a football at that time got and, so and, boring unless, like. unless Kerry and dublin are playing i, I don't care yeah Kerry, no, that could be the rivalry coming back now again because Kerry won it last year and Kerry, like Kerry, have this guy david clifford he's Unbelievable, like the greatest footballer to ever play the game. This guy, and, and like I remember, I, I went to college with a lot of Kerry lads, and they were talking about David Clifford when he was like 12 years of age. <laughs> like, it's it's mad. Like, this guy, he's a phenom, like, like he's the Messi of Gaelic football. He is unbelievable. If you ever, uh, like, if it was any use for you playing soccer, huh? Yeah, he, he, he could be. <laughs> Do the Americans always go on about like, oh, if we'd our best athletes, we'd be the best in Ireland soccer? Like the amount of people playing Gaelic football now and get and hurling who are unbelievable athletes who could yeah, thrive it's not just in other about being an athlete. Like <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of people who say. don't like Messi's not exactly an athlete, is he? Like no. obviously he is an athlete, but compared to an NFL guy, he's not in the same um, realm. Yeah, but a, a guy like fucking Kyle Hayes or a guy like, you know, a lot of that Dublin team, they could have played fucking rugby for Ireland if they had gone that way. These are unlike a lot of the rugby players or whatever. You know, there's there's a lot of spread in the sports here. And it's like America, I feel like they're the only ones in the world that don't have it. Sure, but, do you remember Do you remember Jason Sherlock and there was like talk of him like, you know, yeah, uh, being scouted for, by Premier League teams and like... Yeah. Uh, 
there was talk about him going for a trial with Liverpool and all all this stuff uh, years and years ago. It's, it's, I don't know why, why I remember that. Jail, yeah. Anyway, Sean Ninney, uh, is Bloody Elbow departing its current guys a benefit to the UFC with one less outlet questioning them? Uh, for the for the UFC, it probably the UFC are probably licking their lips. So I don't know if you've you, you've seen this grammar, people listening. Um, Kid Nate from Bloody Elbow, who's running the show over there, has been let go. And now I think I'm not sure if everyone has been let go, but I think most of the people have been let go. And Vox Media, who run Bloody Elbow, MMA Mania, and MMA Fighting, if I'm not mistaken, are getting rid of Bloody Elbow. Zane Simon, who works for Bloody Elbow, tweeted. Uh, recently uh, that they're going to try to keep it going and run it independently which I absolutely hope uh, they they will but it's a massive massive blow for them and like look bloody elbows not everyone's cup of tea but I think everyone could agree that they ask important questions that do you know the most heart-hitting journalism I suppose in MMA and maybe they go over the top sometimes but like there's not a lot of people even getting close to that line in MMA media so they're a massive loss and definitely a benefit for the UFC especially with say the likes of John Nash who's been working for them for a long time and all the reporting he has done on the lawsuits and, you know, the, the, the Ali Act and all of that stuff. And then I obviously feel very sorry for everyone knows I'm a massive friend with, with uh, Stephanie uh, Haynes Crooklyn over there for years. And I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for her. And I'm absolutely devastated for her and some of the other people as well losing their jobs uh, in, in the media sphere are, you know, maybe, hopefully they don't, hopefully they can keep it going. But it's, I think it's a massive blow for him. What, what did you think of that news, Graham? Yeah, yeah, I, I literally didn't even know that until you started talking about it there. Um, yeah, you know, with there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of MMA websites now, but uh, Bloody Elbow's been around a long time, and it's one that I respect. And you know, um, it's sad, you know. Uh, Fox, obviously, from their point of view, it's probably a purely business decision, but. I really do hope, like you said, that they can, Buddy Elbow um, team can, you know, go back to how it was before they were bought by Vox and have it kind of, you know, host it themselves and run it themselves and keep it going because, you know, in, in MMA, there's a lot of, uh, you know, fan pages, Instagrams, TikToks and YouTube videos with, with fake news. And as you said, these guys are actually putting in investigative work and, you know, uh, allowing people who are willing to put in the work, the 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 pay and the space to actually go and do some some non easy, you know, sitting in your sitting in your chair at home work, going out and actually, you know, uncovering some facts and maybe, as you said, maybe some people have a problem with how they went about it or some of their reporting or whatever. But uh, I don't think you know uh, a website of when you're when you're trying to get into hard hitting issues, maybe you're going to make a few mistakes and things like that, but. Besides that, I think they've been, you know, one of the kind of pillars in terms of MMA media and it definitely will be really sad if they disappeared, but I'm sure they can work something out and, you know, maybe not keep the whole team together, but keep the, the key figures there and get their own hosting and, you know, depending on what kind of deal, you know, if Vox would let them, I don't know. Hopefully, Vox would just be sound about it and let them let them walk off and do it. But I'm not sure what the what the legal situation would be there. I don't know if you know anything about that. But I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. Mm. If if they're free to walk away and do it themselves, I'm sure it wouldn't be too difficult to, to keep it going with maybe a, a, a you know obviously they're keeping the same big team that they have at the moment probably isn't isn't feasible without Vox. But 
yeah, I think uh, it would definitely would be sad to see them go. But in, unless there's some kind of legal problems with, with with continuing, you know, maybe they could change the name. But that would be unfortunate as well. One hundred percent. Next question here from over on Instagram, DH Newman. If McGregor does tough, do you think any Irish fighters will be in the tough house? Um, I know there was rumors of, of yeah. two. One of them I thought is not happening now. Maybe, you know, maybe the other will. And this was before McGregor. So maybe now that McGregor is there, like, you know. What, I think what? they've already gone mm. to uh, the latter stages of casting. But, you know, maybe they could change it up if, you know. If Connor, if Connor goes if here, uh, Connor's deal was, oh, I want this guy, or I want this yeah. guy. You know, I could see that being switched around pretty quickly. Like there are a number of guys out there who you think, like, you know, Lee Hammond, depending on what weight class it is, he's talked about going to the UFC. I know Kiefer, Kiefer Crosby, maybe I know he's fighting Alex Oliveira, and hopefully with that win, he'll be in there. But there's there's probably a lot of guys. You know, obviously we've you know John Kavanaugh was talking about Franz Malambo and was kind of gave away that he's going to PFL, so maybe he's not going to be uh, going to be one of them. But there's a lot of lads in SPG right now who are I suppose uh, there'd be a lot of lads are in Bellator but a lot of lads kind of coming up and fighting around the place as well so you could it'd be interesting to see it'd be interesting to see who's out of contract who's available who's around who he'd like to get I suppose in the house with him because like if they're fighting if they're doing that too McGregor's going to use that as a bit of a camp and you know him he always likes to have his people with him and um, you know it'll be interesting so I'll wait and see in that one I suppose um We'll run through a few more of these quickly here. Is the European scene better than the American scene uh, locally? I find that I, I wouldn't know how to answer that because we don't yeah, see the yeah, American scene. It's hard scene. to know. Like, uh, yeah. Obviously, we're more invested in it, so we know more about these guys. We follow their journeys, some of them anyway. And uh, compared to if we just throw on a random like Canadian show or American show, we might not not have heard of any of the guys on the, on the kind of up-and-coming shows. So... Yeah, it's a very difficult one to ask, but the level of the of some of the the high level uh, European shows is is really really good. It's it's streets ahead of what it was what 10, 15 years ago when we when 100%. we when, when I started following the the scene. Yeah, where are you going for your summer holidays? I, I'm going to Dublin, probably. <laughs> where where are you going, Grammy? You were you were just in Brazil. Summer so. holidays, yeah. I was yeah. I was over in some in the the Brazilian summer there is, is Brazil, <laughs> recently. Is Brazil on yeah. the so it's, is Brazil the opposite? Toss, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, so that, yeah. So uh, I'm just back from the summer into the into the cold. So I'm um, I'm adjusted again. But uh, yeah, for the summer, um, I'm not sure. I'm not you're sure. Going, Stay you're tuned. Going to Amsterdam oh. like tomorrow or something, aren't you? So yeah, I'm going to Amsterdam tomorrow just for uh, two days. But uh, never in fucking Ireland. Fuck's sake. Yeah, you know, get away while you can, you know. When will Arsenal do an Arsenal? Okay, we will. We'll answer this. Will yes or no? Will Arsenal do an Arsenal, Graham? Do you think they'll win the Premier League? <sighs> It all depends on Man City. I think uh, if Man City put pressure on Arsenal, put eight, ten wins together in a row like they have done in previous three or four or five seasons, I think Arsenal likely would crumble. But if if they don't have any pressure put on them, they're just gonna they're just gonna win the league. Indeed. So uh, I think they will do an Arsenal if the the correct or if the as, anywhere near substantial amount of pressure is put on them. There's still a long way to go. Obviously. They're strengthening with people like Trossard and stuff like that, but you know, a couple Are of they injuries. Could, with Trossard? Well, their squad anyway. You know, they're, um, you know, I wouldn't be sure. I wouldn't be sure uh, about a couple of their squad players if if there was to be injuries to key people. But 
you know, if they keep winning and Man City keep struggling and Liverpool are obviously struggling and Man United are doing well, but I don't think they're much of a threat. And yeah, um, will they I, do I, an Arsenal? I think it all de- it, yeah. it just all depends on Man City and the way it's going for Man City. I don't think they're going to put any pressure on. I know in the past they've done it before, you know, against Liverpool and in those seasons when they got 90 points, they put together like 12 wins in a row, 14 wins in a row, things like that. But the way they're playing at the moment, I don't see it. Uh, yeah, I I, I think uh, I think Man City will do it. I think they'll come back and win it. Uh, yeah, well, they want to get going pretty quickly, you know. They will, I mean? uh, they will. They will. Uh, is there any demand for the Shawnee versus Graham debate podcast? Well, like if you give us something so that's to what debate it is over, anyway, that's it? kind of what it is. The, the Liverpool and Man United one we did was basically that. That got hot, hot and heavy there for a while, a couple of weeks ago. So, if you know, if there's another one out there, absolutely, we're always here to. Uh, we need to do a part two when uh, Liverpool are back and Man United are playing shit. <laughs> yeah, so I, can have a, I got my, in there at the sweet spot there before yeah, we fucking lost. <laughs> it was brilliant, but anyway, uh, what's better, Francis? Uh, what's better for Francis? Multiple little easy purses or one big one? Could he go on a fight circus and f- uh, fight a five uh, on one hundred thousand k every two weeks and earn more cumulatively? M- maybe he could, but like, who's going to pay him ah. that? Who's going to fucking pay him that? Who's go- that? How's that going to be sustainable? Like his best case scenario. Someone tweeted me last week on the Q and A, and they said, um, if he got a deal with Showtime. To ha- fight, say Deontay Wilder, I think the, the name was, get like 10 no, million no, out of no, that. No, no, no. no but oh, well, one second. F- a box, Deontay Wilder, sorry. Was that what the problem you had there was? Or was there something else? Anyway, and then go to Bellator because they're all under the same guys or whatever. That to me looks like a fucking ideal situation for Francis, but I don't know. What, what do you think? Is there any. We've talked about this to, at nauseum at this stage, but. Um, I don't think uh, Tyson Fury actually wants to, to fight in Ganu, no. but. Uh, he has brought it up a couple of times trying to just, you know, negotiate on other fights, I think, or other bouts, I think. But for Francis, I think it would be ideal to go in there against, you know, either Joshua or Fury, just the biggest the biggest name he could find in boxing. And obviously Deontay Walder is a big name, but he's just on that tier below and has knockout power. And I think if he loses, if um, Francis went down and lost to Tyson Fury, Francis. people would be like, oh, okay, okay, but... If he's going in there against somebody on the slightly lower level and he gets destroyed uh, in boxing, which is, uh, you know... Uh, oh, that's worst case scenario. Opinion, that's oh. the worst. So I think either go in there against one of the very best or, you know, stick to... <laughs> stick to I prefer you stick to MMA anyway. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? These uh, boxing... Uh, boxing is just... I don't know what's going on with boxing these days. Boxing is a mad sport these days. It's, it's changed completely, but uh, people seem to be very interested in these these kind of crossover bouts. But... Um. Yeah, I feel uh, like sometimes like MMA. David, David, David Hayes still planning that November 2018 transition to MMA. Yeah, I'd watch that. So I, I think he went to the gym a couple of times and, uh, <laughs> and he never, t- never talked about yeah, it again. <laughs> James Haskell versus David Hayes. Let's get that one going. Let's get that one going. Um, Betway fan, what Irish fighters look out for in the IMAFs next month? Uh, this question is sponsored by the Ultra Angle. So uh, here is the Sarah Elliott, Sheridan, uh, the juniors first. Uh, Owen, Mass, Oliver, Jay, uh, Jake, uh, in guy who a lot of people talk about. He's very, very good. Marco, uh, Cardillo, Mohammed, um, uh, Av. 
Har Hanov, who I was talking to Will Flurry last week, and he was saying this guy is a fucking beast. And I know the lads think he's a beast as well. And in the seniors, Lisa Houston, Megan Hamill, uh, Ava Cruz, uh, Carrie Ann Vernon, Ronan Deegan, Jordan Bradshaw, uh, Danny Hartwell. So J Jordan Bradshaw, I think, is definitely Jordan, a standout. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he was got a few votes last year for our uh, amateur of the year. Um, but. I think all of them, like all of them have a, have a chance there as well. I think Ava Cruz, she's someone I find out of SBG who, you know, I've seen a, a, a horror fight a couple of times and, you know, she looks like she could be uh, could be one to keep an eye on too over the next while. But all the names I, I kind of called out there, I think it's it's good to keep an eye. You never know as well. Like someone might yeah, have had a fight so in the last three months. It, it could know, be totally different. Some people... Like. Yeah. Some people turn a corner really quick, like yeah. Reese McKee. Like he was just, in, in my opinion, like from what, I, like this could be totally wrong, and other people could have seen like uh, great potential in him already. But in his first couple of amateur fights that that I saw, maybe when he was making making his amateur debut or fighting the second or third fight, he he didn't look like you know he had all this potential. He didn't look like he had big pair. He didn't. He just looked like he was a, a young fighter kind of finding his way and. That's, a, that's how it starts for a lot of these guys, you know. A lot of these guys, if you see one of their amateur, even UFC champions, if you see one of their first amateur fights and you see them now, it's like a completely different person in every way. So, you know, it's just great experience for these guys. But I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be confident in picking anybody out particularly at such a such a young, early stage of their career because it's all about learning at the moment. They will, by the time they turn professional, they will more than likely be, absolutely completely different in near, nearly every way than they are now 100% uh, CJ Carpover and Patreon asks with the UFC Ireland being topical who's the next breakthrough Irish fighter to the UFC it, it has to be Paul Hughes doesn't it like considering Reese is on the Irish yeah. card now Paul hasn't been uh, announced and the, the light heavyweight or the, not the light heavyweight the lightweight Cage Warriors uh, title fight got announced didn't it it did yeah and it wasn't Paul Hughes so mm -hmm. You know, who are they going to have him fight at 45? If they, you know, if he wasn't going to the UFC, would they have, or if, 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 if he wasn't kind of nearly guaranteed or they weren't confident that he's going to the UFC, would they have waited on that title shot announcement for 155? I think they probably would have. I think they're probably pretty confident that Paul Hughes will be in the UFC. I don't have no inside information on that or anything, but they have a lot of cards the, to the performances he's been putting on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, exciting guy um you know irish doesn't doesn't hurt either and cage warriors champion in such such a brilliant performance in his last fight i think it'd be very very uh harsh if he wasn't signed to the ufc 100 I, I look the other ones are obviously look if reese mckee wins the title shot there again and puts on another performance like he put on the last time i think he'll get signed look bukowskis i think is back in already i think reese will, will be as well Two I mentioned earlier as well. If Kiefer Crosby beats Alex Oliveira, I think he'll be in the UFC. He has to be. And Lee Hammond, like, Lee Hammond is so much better than the vast majority of people getting in at his level of experience through the Contender Series. Now, this guy is, is a phenomenal fighter. Obviously, you know, he's a long way to go still in terms of, like, well, it's only five, six fights into his career, and he won our uh, emerging prospect this year. But I think, like, 
we, we know the relationship that his gym has with Bellator. If I'm the UFC, I'm like, let's fucking snap him up quick before he goes into Bellator and signs a contract. But Lee's been very smart, I think, fighting one fight here, one fight there, one fight everywhere. And that's the job. That's the fucking way to do it. And um, he'd be another guy. But there's, there's probably a good few guys like on on the brink right now. Like James Sheehan is on the brink of a probably a title shot if he beats uh, Oban Elliott here. Kaelin Lochran is on the brink. If he wins, if he wins a title, anyone who wins a cage or a title, they're on the brink uh, of getting there. Danny McCormack just, as well. Just if she wins before in you go on. go on, yeah. Before you go on, Willie Hammond, do you think the fact that he doesn't really do interviews that people don't really know him hurts him in terms of let's being do it, Lee. for these kind of things? Let's do it. I'll interview. I don't interview many people. I only interview very, very special people. Lee Hammond, come on, someone listening to this. Clip this out. I'd love to get Lee Hammond on to talk to him. We'll we'll get him to the UFC. I'll fucking tag Sean Shelby. Dana, Dana White follows me. I'll DM it to him the whole lot. We'll get Lee Hammond into the UFC. What do you think, Graham? Will we do it? Yeah, well, 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 yeah, but how much do you think it actually, you know, affects? Like, do you think if he, if he had put himself out there more, he would, you know, he'd be at least fighting on bigger shows or, you know, having calls for the UFC? Or do you think... You know, like I probably think I think, you know, a couple more fights the way he's doing a one um one deal fights is probably the way to go and not to rush it. You know, he's he's been around a long time as an amateur, but he's he's young enough as a pro, like and it is a little bit different. And maybe, you know, giving himself a little bit more time would be probably ideal in my opinion. But Do you in terms of the, the media in terms of the media side of things and you know, I think he did one interview in the Mac Mansion with PC for Severe MMA and I think that's probably it. Yeah. Do you know, like, and I, I was talking to him the last day. It's not like, it's not like he can't speak well, or it's not like he's, you know, he's funny. And uh, you probably spoke to him way more than I spoke to him. I only spoke to him once or twice ever, but like, you know, absolutely. And but like as well, if he did an interview with me or you or the lads over in the old triangle, we're not like, we're not going to fucking, he's not to worry about, like, we're not going to fucking take the piss or we're not going to be pricks or ask him stupid questions or anything like that. And that yeah. is like, that I is can a, kind of understand it though. Cause like, you know, even when I was talking about it earlier, like I didn't want to be, you know, doing a podcast. I don't want to be, yeah. you know, on camera. It's just kind of, it is a strange thing. Like, I know we just expect it from fighters because like it's their brand, their prize fighters. 100%. You need to make yourself an entity. You need to make yourself cared about either way or whatever. But, it is at the end of the day, you know, up until recently, recent years anyway, a strange thing to be, you know, plastering yourself all over the internet and stuff like that. But I, I, and the other side of what you were talking about there is like, I think if Lee Hammond wanted to be at a big organization, say a Bellator or a PFL, I think he could probably be there right now. I think, I think it's fully by design. I think he wants to, and he said this, he's put out an Instagram, I want to get to the UFC. And I think the way he's doing it is, is very, very good. If he put on a few interviews and said a bit of stuff and came out there and said, I like, even if it's just like, you know, all these guys are taking their steps to go out their way and I respect them all, every single one of them, but I want to go my way and my way is to the UFC and my way is to the top of the UFC. Even if it isn't as braggadocious as that, I think that would definitely be a benefit and I think people would like that as well. And I think, look, the fact that he hasn't really done any interviews is probably a plus point because when he does his first one, it'll be like, oh, we're finally hearing from Lee Hammond and it'll be great because, like, he's such a good fighter and all that stuff. So. Maybe, you know, we'll reach out to him. Give him a ring, Graham, said, Charlie Podcast wants interview. And I know he, he, uh, he loved the, the, the live fucking weigh-ins we did the last time as well. He, to, he, he enjoyed him, so I'll get him on the live weigh-ins at Bellator next time. That's what we do. But anyway, come on, we have a few more questions. Um, what Irish fighters do you expect to see in PFL? Before you, go, before you go on, do you remember those mm-hmm. um, impression interviews of Andrew McGahan that he did? Uh, yes, vaguely, uh, yeah. Golden, golden. Yeah. Only, only uh, Severe May OG fans will remember that. Yeah. 
<laughs> Remember my impressions of Andrew McGann, the interviews that I that used to be around in the fucking severe uh, WhatsApp groups and stuff. Do you remember that? Or, well, it wasn't an impression uh, of Andrew McGann necessarily, but it was me uh, voicing over it. <laughs> this was a long oh, yeah, time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. This was a long time ago. Which, uh, there, yeah, there used to be some fun stuff going around, right? But anyway, uh, last couple here. Any shooting Bigfoot Silva heading to Dana White's Slap League? Oh, God, I fucking hope not. But with them, it wouldn't... You, could, you know, me. he could bring, like, you know, uh, I don't know much about slapping, but those um, jaw movements that Bigfoot does before fights, they could, they could be revolutionary in the... Revolutionary. The, the he's, jaw game, the, he's big the hands. jaw uh, tightness. I don't know. I know yeah. nothing about slapping. It's just oh, fuck it's stupidest, you. stupidest thing ever. It is. Brain damage league. Yeah. Our guy, Ben Davis, would Gilbert Burns go good on a sandwich? Uh, oh, he's a bit meaty, all right, so I say he probably would. Which fighters would you like to be stranded with on a desert island? What do you think, Graham? Anyone you'd like to be stranded on a desert island with? Oof. Who's gonna like do all the work for me and catch all the, yeah. the fish and feed me and, and Jim Miller? Like, you know, kill kill animals and stuff. Jim Miller. Frank Muir didn't need Chad Mendez goes out killing yeah, shit, doesn't he? Chad Mendez is a good answer, yeah. We'll go with Chad Mendez. Uh num- I'll get to number f- four is just meatball. Yeah, I like a meatball. Number three, did you watch the Banshees of Inish Aaron? Have you seen that, Graham? No, I haven't actually seen it yet. Oh. Um one of the best winners I've ever I've seen. Mixed, I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard mixed reviews. Brilliant. It's absolutely fucking brilliant. Brilliant. You have to go into it with the right idea, though, that this... And may, maybe for you, maybe you won't get it because, you know, you're a, a Dublin city slicker. But this is like a West of Ireland uh, feud between two neighbours kind of a job. And it's odd. Like, it might seem a bit far-fetched to some people, but this would actually, could actually fucking happen in... Um, in, in my part of the world, so I absolutely do. do they have Kerry accents like uh, Awaru? Uh, Awaru? No, they're not from Kerry. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're, they're in the, the Aran Islands. I don't know what they sound like. Gal- but they, they, weren't, they don't talk in Irish, though. That's the only thing. But, but sure, like everyone in it is Irish and they have Irish accents on them and all sorts. I, I'd rather them keep their own Irish accents than put on like fake ones and be. Be weird. Sure, nobody would understand them if they were talking like culties and anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's funny when people talk about all the Irish accent, the Irish accents like Americans and stuff. It's like there's so many different accents in Ireland. I wonder the people like can they tell the difference between me and you our accents? Ah, surely, come on. Yeah. Like I if you speak to a Kerry if people have never always, heard a Kerry man talk to type things. in um Kerry farmer. Uh, sheep or something into, uh, into some gels didn't shape it all over <laughs> the place they'd never get away from what all they'd all shape it all over the place yeah, they couldn't get them in now they were struck out at nature Jesus my, gra- my grandmother was from Kerry and sometimes uh, I'd go down with her when I was a kid and stuff and sometimes she'd go down by herself for a few weeks and when she'd come back to Dublin she'd be speaking like with a heavy Kerry accent for a few days <laughs> you wouldn't even understand what she was saying I'll, t- I'll tell you this I live uh, I was actually there the other day about f- 15 minutes from the Kerry border so very close like I'm miles away from Limerick City and um, I went down to my friend's house in Kerry a few years ago and his uncle came in and like this, he's like a farmer from like lives 10 miles away from anyone else and genuinely I couldn't understand a word he was saying <laughs> it's such a strong Kerry accent I was like what? Especially when they speak to each other and they yeah. speak fast oh, it's like, oh my god like double Dutch or something but they're great people down in Kerry great people Lovely, some lovely people. Salt of the earth. Salt of the earth, people. Uh, have we any other questions? I think that's all, that's it for the questions. But, um, Graham, 
We have uh, someone actually asked us as well for our champions next year, but I actually have a uh, she and Joe over and Sherdog out with that right now, so you can go over and listen to that there for that. Uh, we uh, we better talk a bit about MMA, I suppose, before we go on. Fedor against Bedor next week. Ryan Bedor against Fedor Emelianenko uh, for the second time. The last time Bedor knocked him out in forty five seconds. Thoughts, Grim? And are you liking this fight? Fedor's last ever fight, allegedly. <laughs> the last ever fight again. Um. Am I liking this fight? No, not particularly. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about MMA and people should retire all the time. Uh, it would have been nice to see a few of these guys retire. I hope it isn't uh, a bad one for Fedor. It would be nice to see him get a win and retire, but that's fairy tale stuff in MMA. If he wins, he'll probably be, you know, back in there as quick as he can. Um, yeah, I don't know how to feel about this. So, uh, hopefully, it isn't a really sad one, like you know, maybe not as bad as the Shogun one because he was fighting a, a no name. But yeah, I hope, uh, I hope it doesn't end badly for, for Fedor again, but it probably will. Uh, almost certainly will, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I he does have big power himself, and Vader, like you know, somebody's probably getting knocked out, but I think yeah, 90% the likelihood is probably Fedor. Yeah, I think you're, if you got knocked out by someone when you were like 43, when you're 45, you're probably doubly as likely to get knocked out by him, especially if it was in 45 seconds the last time. So, yeah, uh, the the middleweight championship is also on the line. Um, Johnny Eblen is taking on Anatoly Tokov. Very interesting fight, this one. Um, I watched a good bit of this before I'm doing a preview for, for Sherdog, which will be out during the week. Like, Tokov is out of Fedor's camp. He can wrestle, he can strike, he can do it all. And Johnny Eblen, like, everyone might think after watching the Musasi fight, he's just a wrestler, takes people down for 25 minutes. But he fights before that. He was actually boxing with guys, and he knocked a couple of guys out in his big power. So this could be a very, very good fight. I'm, I think I'm going to pick Tokov, to be honest, even though Eblen, like, is up there, with, could be the best middleweight in the world right now. I think he beat both of the lads fighting for the, uh, the UFC title. But Tokov is... Is probably better than the two of them as well. You know, or he could be. He could be better than the two of them. It's a very interesting matchup. Um, there's other fights on as well. Sabo Massey against Brennan Ward should be a, a bit of a banger there. Um, Henry Corrales is fighting Ahmed uh, Magomedov, uh, who's undefeated. Undefeated Steve Murray fighting undefeated Ali Asayev, the uh, former PFL champion coming over to uh, Bellator, taking on Murray, who is like a six foot seven, six foot eight giant of a heavyweight, and is very good. I think the winner of that will fight Ryan Bader if he beats Fedor. Uh, your guy Darian Caldwell is on in this card as well against Nikita Mikhailov in a very high level fight between Lorenz Larkin and uh, Mukhamed Burkamov as well, which uh, could have title implications at one seventy with that title on the line or Lorenz Larkin just stand Ireland. there and do nothing yeah that could also happen as well so <laughs> pretty good card um, there's a I think there's a UFC card as well like who gives like does anyone give a shit about this UFC card Derek uh, Lewis gives a shit Derek Lewis yeah it's on it's fucking 6 o'clock in the morning over here I'm like keep that uh, Derek Lewis fighting Sergey Spir- Spir- Spivak I forget who he is to be honest uh, and there's loads of lads who I've never heard of on the rest of the card uh, da Jung-ung and Devin Clark I'd say someone probably get knocked out maybe in that and then there's other people you know congratulations Duo to Do Ho Choi is that the, the Korean Superboy is he back yeah Kyle Nelson yeah, he's fighting Kyle Nelson this, so this is supposed to be on in Korea and uh, 
the Korean zombie fell out of the card so they didn't bother having on in Korea and it's just a load of Korean fighters and the road to the UFC Korea and stuff and there's like four of them in the middle of this card at fucking six apex. o'clock <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning I'm like nah, you know what no you can hold on to that card and you can enjoy it and uh, I won't be watching it so we'll be back here well I probably will be watching it but we'll be back here next week to talk about that and all that stuff Sean will so. definitely be watching probably yeah uh, Jeez, six o'clock is a tough, you know, tough spot for me though. Uh, you that's, can, that's you can just watch it in the morning, fast forward past all the Detroit yeah. talk from the the king of snow well, rockets. What time are we gonna do the podcast in? Because like, you know, when do I sleep? Ah, uh, sure, we'll figure it out at some stage. Okay, all right. So I, I suppose that's a conversation. Is that a uh, see you next Tuesday, Monday, Sunday <laughs> thing might have to come into effect for. <laughs> It actually might, yeah. Next week's podcast might actually be on Tuesday, so we'll uh, we'll put a pin on that and we'll uh, we'll see it. But that's it. We leave it there for for another week. Four hundred episodes. Uh, thanks to everyone. We couldn't have done it without. Well, we could have done it without you, to be honest. But it was kind of better to have people listening. Otherwise, it's just us talking into a fucking void for four hundred. Not out. Is that is that a cricket thing? It is. Yeah. Brian Charles Lara. Lara. Yeah, the Did only one. First? No, white washing Antigua. Yeah. I was watching that. I watched every single second of that Brian Charles Lara 400. I used to love cricket. Do you know that? Really? Yeah. I know. I never got cricket. I don't know. I loved it. I don't know. But it's what just so tight. What are kind of uh, niche or, uh, sports? Kabaddi. Everyone knew I loved Kabaddi there for a while, but then it went off sky and I couldn't watch it anymore. Uh, what about Harlan? snooker or pool or darts? Or? Uh, s- uh, Snooker's just so fucking boring. It's just, I like it, playing. It can snooker. be fun when Ronnie's uh Ronnie's yeah, around. Ronnie O'Sullivan's around uh, at his uh argumentative best. The one thing I, I I don't mind darts at times, but darts just never ends. It's on all year and it's fucking it goes like the world championships goes on for like a month and that I'm like, can this just fucking yeah, end? If it's like, a final or something and I see it on all yeah, yeah, I used really to I used to watch it a little bit more but um, you know, the if final not, of everything if I'm is good. Not busy and there's nothing else on. I'll watch it. But if there's a final on and I happen to see it on, I'll watch it. Or if I see people like Ian Dean or whatever talking about it on uh, yeah. on Twitter, I might tune in. But uh, yeah, as you said, it's a lot of it on. And yeah. I used to I used to kind of know the main contenders, but they, they seem to change to really quickly. Fan. And I don't even know who people are and how good people are and things like that anymore. I remember. But uh, it can be it can be very entertaining, and I do enjoy the kind of. Yeah, the, the mentalness of the crowd—it's it's always funny. I remember um, my father's always watching it. I was watching it one year, and there was this lad Rob Cross who came up, and he was like fucking unbelievable. He was just like beating people. He came out of nowhere, and then I was like, "I'm backing this lad for the world championship." And he was like, "I think he was like twenty to one, maybe twenty-five to one." And I don't know. I put like a fucking five reach wear a tenner on him or something, but I don't know. He won it. He ended up winning it anyway, right? But I remember I was above in Cork. It was at Christmas time, and he was in the semi final against Van Gerwen, if I'm not mistaken. And um, <laughs> we, were, myself and three of my friends, were watching it in this bar, and we were going fucking apoplectic watching this fucking darts match, just jumping up. And I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna win like fucking 150 euro or 200 quid around than this." And funny enough, do you know who walked into the bar? Your man, um, uh, Gary Spike O'Sullivan, do you know him, the boxer? He was yeah, there, yeah. and he's a real sound lad. Everyone was taking pictures of him and everything. Really, really nice lad, but, yeah, going absolutely mad. Do you know what, as well, though, right? Any sport that you get on, like, the f- the final or the end of it, you can watch, like, the last hour of it, brilliant. Golf. Like, golf, golf is, is the best. On the la- oh, it's like a fucking major tournament. Brilliant. And like a few the last eight holes on the Sunday. Brilliant. 
and oh. it's close and there's like if you know i don't know the name of courses but there's like Augusta. danger holes coming up and things like oh it's good that's great crack amen coronary or even like i fucking yeah, hate formula things. one when there's when there's something on the line when uh, yeah really really good the one oh, a few of the sports i hate uh speedway remember that shit i hate that it's like, you used to always be on sky, sky sports walking out always yeah i i always loved formula one and then like it kind of fell out of it got boring for a while and then drive to survive came and then it got really fun again and the sky the sky sports love in for lewis hamilton and i hate just lewis really so annoying like and oh. i don't know people love lewis hamilton but like i just every time he talks i just get this fake feeling of like i don't believe a word he's saying like and we're, we're usually on the opposite sides of fandom in in sports but i think with formula one we're both like anti-lewis pro max and that's great you know it's good to have something to <laughs> it's good to have. what about rugby are you on are you talking about rugby these as you watching are you um yeah if, like if, if this is a ireland game on a big game on i'll watch it but uh my dad is massive into rugby and like uh i played rugby in school because you're kind of forced to in in school and stuff but uh i wasn't as big into it as some of the you know my, my friends in school and things like that my dad but uh if there's a big game on, you know, if there's a Leinster, Munster, Ulster doing having a big game in the Champions Cup and there's nothing else on, I'll watch that. But, you know, other sports will probably take priority. But if Ireland are playing the All Blacks or Ireland are playing in the World Cup, I'd definitely be, definitely be watching our big, big Six Nations game against England or France or something like that. I'd definitely be watching as well. I, I used to watch rugby a good bit when I was younger. There was a friend of mine came over from uh, New Zealand and he was in school. And he was a really good rugby player and I used to be kind of talking to him about rugby and I started watching rugby just, you know, to have a chat and, and stuff. But then I kind of got out of it after a while again. But I watch a lot of, you know, the off-the-ball stuff and they do nothing but talk about fucking rugby and that. And like, who's Ireland's next number 10? I'm like, Johnny Sexton's our number 10 now and he's going to be. And then fucking after the World Cup, deal with that. Like, it's ridiculous. No, we need to, we need to put Joey Carberry in for big yeah. game experience, even he's, though he's definitely shit. Like. He's been dropped now. Did you see that? He's, been, he's not even in the squad think, yeah. for the he's just like, yeah. I don't know. Just the, the, they're the, obsessed with who's next. They forced the poor fucker to move to Limerick and then they never pick him. Like, what? And like rugby, rugby league, Sky Sports try to push that, but I just, I just don't. I don't know. It's I don't know why. Rubbish. It's very similar to rugby union in a lot of ways, but it's just rubbish to watch. I don't know why. Right, but, um, yeah, NFL I watch as well. I never got into basketball, really. I don't know. I just like I watch a good documentary about basketball or something like that, but. I don't know. I just, it, it, as you said, kind of with the, we talked about earlier, if it's a, the last minute and it's a tight game in a, in, a, in like, you know, a series defining playoff game or something like that, maybe if I happen to be flicking by and I'll definitely stay for the last like minute or two, but to watch a full basketball game, no. But NFL, I definitely watch, uh, you know, full games and be quite a big fan of the Minnesota Vikings. And obviously they never win, but uh, I, uh, I'm wearing my Packers I, jumper I, as we I speak. Struggle, I struggle on. Uh, hated rivals the the Packers with their yeah, stupid cheesehead stats we're always we're always on the opposite side of things man. we're always on the opposite side but Dublin in the All Ireland you know do you watch any of them or do you just ignore no, them on? no no I don't nobody no I don't uh, care about it. I don't know anybody on the team I don't know anything about it uh, I don't you know who the manager is I just know, I didn't even know how many they won in a row I just people were talking about that years ago all the time but. The, uh, stuff on the radio idea or flicking through the channels will be all I know about uh, you GA should, these days you yeah, like know years ago it used to be kind of bigger thing in Dublin now uh, whatever circles I'm in anyways nobody ever talks about GA the dog's like we better let it go there so on your ground the dogs are looking for you so we'll 
we'll uh, we'll end it there on our shy talk. But uh, yeah, this is a fun podcast. We uh, just talked and answered your questions and had a bit of fun for the uh, the four hundred episode. Probably an episode like we've never done before, if we're being <laughs> if we're being honest. But uh, we'll be back to normal next week talking about uh, the normal old stuff and having a chat about it but um yeah big shout out to everyone as i said who has supported us down through the years a shout out to yourself graham shout out to andrew mcgahan who was obviously here for the first 92 episodes or whatever it was and the likes of niall mcgrath popped in a few times and ian o'neill and harry and i think candy stevenson maybe even i think damon martin was in once jeremy botter was on a few maybe um phil o'connor was on a few as well so yeah, there's been um, a wide array of different people on the, the Severe Me podcast and shout out to all of them and, and obviously for everyone who's, li- who's listening as well. If you'd like to see us continue to number 500, uh, we will need you to sign up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast uh it's a five or a month plus vat i, I need to start saying that now because i see your second captain saying that and when people are like oh it's not a five or a month it's like six euro a month or so five or a month plus vat not that bad you get a lot of shit lot of stuff you get this podcast earlier uh than usual um and you get the q a you get the takeaways you get uh speaker's corner which is the best podcast? You get to torture me by making me talk about uh, Man United success yep. and Liverpool's downfall for how long was it? Forty-five minutes. Yeah, you get the chasing pack. You get loads of stuff. So do that. Follow Graham at Severe May. Follow me at Chanchi and BA, and uh, we leave it there. Graham, end it for us. She's living in LA with my best old ex friend Ray, a guy she said she knew well and sometimes hated. We'll see you next Tuesday. Maybe. Stitch Duran needs to learn what the meaning of the word friend is. Stitch Duran and I were never friends. We were work associates. Every time Tyron Woodley opens his mouth, he shoots himself in the foot. He's just, he's just, a, he's a very unlikable guy. Nobody deserves anything. You got to earn it. You got Rockhold right now screaming, "I deserve this." You just got knocked out in the first round. You don't deserve anything. I think the people that are surrounding him right now are fucking morons. Whoever the asshole is that showed up at that television show with him and let him make that appearance is a fucking idiot, and I'd like to beat him with a stick. The guy couldn't pass the drug test. You're so weak-minded and so addicted to marijuana that you couldn't stay off it enough to pass the drug test three times a year. Well, guess what, dummy? They drug test in the real world, too. Cocaine isn't cheap. Anybody here disagree with me that Mazzagatti in Toolbox? Them hacking our site was the best thing they could have ever done for us. Because what that does is now you look like terrorists. Saints, Survivor. Let's vote them off. Beat them off.